Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're carrying on our LifeScape series, and um, this series is very much about the view of your life and, and seeing how God is building you and changing the aspect of every part of your life. And last week I spoke on freedom is a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the liberty that we know in our relationship with Him, that our true poverty is our isolation from Him. But you know, um, this week we're going to read from Romans chapter 8. And verse 14, it says this, For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know, uh, over the last two years, we've done a lot of weddings, and we've got one more wedding coming up. Uh, in December. Where's Andy? Is he? He's upstairs doing Flashpoint. I think he was, I, I definitely saw him. So Andy and Bethany, oh, there's Bethany. <laughs> so Andy and Bethany um, are getting married in December. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed at weddings, you know, weddings are full of cliches, aren't they? They're kind of those wonderful sort of cliches at every wedding. We all laugh at the same jokes every time. <laughs> when, the, when the new uh, groom stands up and says, on behalf of my wife and I, everyone cheers. We've cheered so many times, <laughs> and so many, but on each occasion you cheer because you're celebrating with them, and there is just these sort of cliche moments. That's kind of part of the joy of the wedding. And, uh, but one of those things, I think, is, is one of those strange questions that we ask people. Um, that, uh, they're silly questions, but they're kind of funny at the same time. And one of them is, uh, is spoken to the bride, and it's, it goes, what does it feel like to be Mrs... Whatever, Mrs. Upton, Mrs. Munro, Mrs. Smith. What does it feel like? And they're just sitting in their wedding dress. <laughs> well, I don't know. What <laughs> and they normally say something. It feels wonderful. Well, because they're having a wedding day. But don't really know what it feels like because they've only just got married. And because they've just got married, they, they still are, they don't know what it feels like to be married because they've yet to experience that sort of kinship because before they were two single people and while they were going out they were kind of in this sort of sense of we're becoming one they were still single and because they were single they were thinking and feeling like a single person knowing that their lives will be joined together but yet to experience it and then comes the silly question what does it feel like to be Mrs? And it, just because and we always ask the, the, the bride because um, for the most part, most brides take on their husband's name, and so there's this sense, oh, you've taken on the name, what does it feel like? Well, they, they still don't feel like, Cheryl would feel like Mrs. Upton, she didn't feel like Mrs. Upton, she struggled to get used to writing Mrs. Upton instead of Mrs. Lancaster, it was like, and so there's this, there's this sort of shift that goes on in uh, a couple's life when they get married, but to begin with, You've got, they, they've got married, but they don't 
feel like they're married just because, even though they are married, it's like, well, what just happened? I remember um, on, on our honeymoon uh, having these bizarre dreams that when we go home, I would go to my house and Cheryl would go to hers. <laughs> and it was kind of, get out of my head, I'd be like, see you next week, you know. <laughs> it's sort of awkwardness because it was this strange feeling. I'd never lived my life with someone else before in that kind of personal kind of that relationship. Never been a husband before, fortunately. And uh, <laughs> at age 22, that would be something, wouldn't it? So, it <laughs> and you know, so what happens is that what happens in our life is that as God moves upon us, He changes the identity of who we are, but we spend some time trying to catch up with it. And when Paul is writing here in the book of Romans, he sets out a chain of events which lead to the most extraordinary conclusion. And if we go to verse 18, it says, Paul Paul concludes with this statement. He says that we're not only sons, but heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Now, this is an amazing thought, but it's difficult to get a hold of. How many of you wake up in the morning and go, I'm a joint heir with Christ? You can say it like a bride can say, I am Mrs. But it doesn't feel like it because... We've yet to experience him. And I think that the large deal of our lives, of, of understanding our true sonship, our true adoption into the kingdom of God, is we've yet to follow through the process for which Christ has achieved for us. See, God has gone and made us his children. And we speak about being his children and we speak... Uh, We pray to God as Father, but I think that so often we lose sight and we've yet to really gain the understanding and the revelation of what it is to be a son, to be a daughter, to be a child of God, to be an heir. It's suddenly you're like, I'm not just going to be, I'm a joint heir. I mean, you can have heirs, but they're not necessarily joint heirs. In fact... Only, it was only in the 20th century that the legal system changed. And before then, it was the oldest son was the heir. And everybody else just had to get on and do their best. So there wasn't even a joint heir system in the family. When my parents died, um, the inheritance was split six ways. And so the family estate was so it sounds like the family estate. It was a bungalow. Right? So <laughs> but in legal terms it's an estate. It's the only time it was. <laughs> like that claim. And uh, my parents' bungalow was sold and it gets divided six ways. And then all of and then there's the mad rush for all the things that mum and dad owned. Who wants what? <laughs> and there's, oh, I want the, I would, I want the spinning wheel. Dad made a spinning wheel, and I, and I, I would like the spinning wheel. And, and uh, I, managed, I managed to get the spinning wheel and all the designs for the spinning wheel that my father made. He used to make spinning wheels. And uh, I also managed to get a hold of a, 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 a toy that he had 
um, made out of Bakelite. How many of you remember what Bakelite is like? And so made out of... <laughs> Margaret's hand goes in the air. And uh, it made, it's made out of Bakelite. And it's basically, it's a sort of a... It's a 1930s version of Meccano. And uh, it's these sort of houses you can build. And it's still got all the instruction manual and everything. It comes in this sort of dovetail wooden box with all that and I just and I remember as a child growing up it was my dad's toy and we weren't allowed to touch it and I was like I just wanted it so I could touch it now <laughs> we inherited I inherited things which belonged to my family but they were shared amongst my brothers and sisters because we are joint heirs and we knew that we were joint heirs. There wasn't any question, there wasn't any, any doubt or any consideration why maybe one person is more deserving or another. The Bible concludes in verse 8, Romans chapter um, 8 and verse 18 concludes that we are joint heirs with Christ. Now here's the problem with that statement. How on earth did we get there? And there's the thing about trying to get a hold of the concept of being a joint heir with Christ. It's a little bit like um, the day I heard the church had received £125,000 in a gift. And uh, it was actually a, um, it was an inheritance um, that had, um, it was an unusual set of circumstances that caused an inheritance to be passed on to us through the, the trustees of, of the estate of the person who had died. And so we ended up with £125,000. Now the thing was, the, 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 the statement had been whispered in my ear as we're going into a special service that we were putting on with Pastor Ashley, who was visiting the church at the time. And we were, it was a midweek service, and we were hiring the um, hotel... Um, the Copthorne Hotel, and uh, because we never had a building at the time, and we were hiring the Copthorne Hotel, and we were just walking in, and I had a whisper in my ear, the church had just been given £125,000. And the whole time, I said, the church has got hundred. I couldn't get a grip of what £125,000 meant, because I hadn't seen the money, hadn't experienced the money, and I didn't even know how we got the money. I had no concept of, of how it came, so it didn't feel like it was mine. It didn't feel like we had this. We could do anything with it. But I didn't feel like I had ownership of, of it because I didn't understand how we got there. Yeah. And here it is with Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're joint heirs. But the thing is, we don't feel like we're joint heirs because we don't know how we got there. Now Paul throws out a chain of links and he starts off going back to verse 14, he says, For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, what happens is this. The first chain, first link in the chain is understanding your adoption. We are, by human nature, Rejected orphans. By our nature, we are rejected. By our nature, we experience rejection. I have never met a person who doesn't or hasn't felt rejection at some degree. Some people experience rejection at such a, such a huge degree, it overshadows the whole nature of their life. Here is the, the, the reality. Humanity without God is our orphans. 
And we all experience and feel we carry the burden of that orphan spirit, that nature of being and feeling like an orphan. But the Bible says we have been adopted. And, you know, when Jesus died upon the cross, the isolation of humanity was most extremely felt by those who had known him most closely. So the disciples had known Jesus at such a personal, intimate, family way. that spent three years with him and their whole family. And then there is Mary, his, his mother, and also his brothers and sisters, his whole family, that he had his personal family. And so here is this, this crowd of people that knew Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. They had known life. They had known the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and suddenly he's dead. And so they're experiencing by its full extent that, that sense of isolation, that sense of being rejected, that sense of being alone, lost, not really knowing which way to turn. How, how do I resolve my life issues if, if Jesus isn't here anymore? He's been the guiding light to my path. And so what happens is that when Jesus died, humanity felt that isolation. But when he rose again, everything changed. And here's the amazing thing. When Jesus communicated to the disciples before he died, he would say to them, if you know me, you know the Father. And so they knew the Father through Jesus, which means they didn't know the Father personally as the Father. There There was a sort of relationship, just like a mutual friend. Many of you know Pastor Ashley, but you know him because I know him. You, most of you haven't had lunch with him or, or speak because, you know, he's a busy man. And he's in India at the moment having extraordinary time. Actually, absolute miracles. He emailed me to say that Joel Ramsey, who's, whose father is the Mark Ramsey, the, the pastor of the main Brisbane INC church. And, and Joel is an incredible healing evangelist. Um, a real 20th, 21st century Jess. I mean, he's a young guy, maybe 32, something like that. And, and he um, just, eyes being opened, deaf ears. It's just incredible miracles are breaking out in, in India. I don't know why I said that, but... No, Ashley. So Ashley was... <laughs> that's where he's ministering, right now in India. And he's ministering. But you would know, but you'd only know him through me. So they said, when you meet him, you have a sense of knowing him, but you only know him because you know me, because you know him. Does that make sense to you? And so that would be true with people that you know that I don't know, and you talk about them, and I feel like I know them, but I only know them because I know you. So that's how Jesus spoke of the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. But when he rose from the dead, everything changed. It says in John chapter 20 and verse 17, it says this. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. See, suddenly everything has changed. See, 
The disciples were still acting and thinking and behaving like orphans, isolated, separated. But suddenly, Jesus, having paid the price, having bridged the gap, has made it possible for them to have a close and personal relationship with Father God in a way that they couldn't have done before he died. But the difference was, they still didn't feel like that. So they were sons, but they didn't feel like sons. You are joint heirs with Christ. But I know for a fact by the way we live our lives, but for the most part, we don't live like we're joint heirs with Christ. In other words, we haven't got the adoption process in our heads sorted out yet. And I, I need you to understand that the issue of adoption... And the issue of being adopted is, is the number one reason that orphan spirit in me is the number one reason that causes every offense, every jealousy, every anger, every hatred, every word that somebody speaks against another. It's because that person is an orphan. Every time someone speaks, gossips, undermines, behaves in a way which diminishes the life of another person, they're behaving like an orphan. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 4 verse 13. Cain has just killed his brother. And he killed his brother because... His offering, Cain's offering wasn't accepted, but Abel's offering was. So Abel had a relationship with Father God and Cain didn't. And out of jealousy and out of that orphan mindset, spirit, anger and hatred towards his brother rose up because he felt like he wasn't a joint heir. But God has already said to him, why are you so downcast? You you could have made an offering which was acceptable, but you just didn't. Are you with me here? So you could have lived this life, but you chose not to. So you could have been a joint heir with Abel. You could have lived, but you chose not to. And so Cain murders his brother in verse 13. This is Cain's... After God has spoken to him, this is Cain's response. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. See, because Cain believed he was a orphan, he behaved like an orphan and because he behaved like an orphan he found himself living like an orphan he found himself rejected and found himself being rejected what's his number one complaint I don't know if I can cope with this because now I can't meet with your face isn't that extraordinary he's just killed his brother his number one grief he can't meet with God suddenly woken up. Whoa. What have I done? Every time bitterness, complaint, 
arguing, undermining, jealousy, comparing, comparison rises up in amongst us. What are we doing? We're saying, they got something better than me. I don't like them. What are we behaving like? Behaving like Cain. What is that? That's an orphan spirit. You want to give it a spiritual term. It's just behaving like someone who's not understanding. We've been adopted. If we don't get adoption, we don't get inheritance. If we don't understand the nature of our adoption, we don't understand the fullness of the inheritance that comes to us. Christ has saved us and adopted us. And the Bible says here, this is so beautiful. In verse, let's go back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, isolation and loneliness is the result of being an orphan. But there is a voice that cries out in our heart saying, Abba, Father. Now, we've been raised to say that that word Abba means daddy. In fact, it probably doesn't. It, it, it just means father. But because the word daddy is a, is a childish term and, and a theologian, um, a 20, early 20th century theologian came along and said daddy is, uh, is a, Abba is a childish way of speaking. But it's actually not. What it is, is a very personal and intimate way of calling God Father. And it's a term only accessible to sons and not servants. See, we can call, anyone can call someone Father. Father of the house. It doesn't make them the children. But servants could not call the master of the house Abba because that was a term only allowed to be used by the sons and the daughters. And the Bible says that out of our heart comes a cry, Abba, Father. I want you to understand that there is a healing that comes into your life, the healing of rejection, the healing of isolation, the healing of comparison, the healing of feeling isolated, of being um, disinherited, of not receiving the things of life that you should have received. The healing that flows through your heart is found in this one statement. Abba, Father. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You see, what happens is this. As the disciples found when Jesus rose from the dead, their confession And their mindset was still locked into their old world. 
You still with me? They were locked into their old world thinking. Still feeling like orphans, still feeling rejected, still feeling the little people. The people that kind of fighting the system, the rejected ones. Still feeling like that. But what had happened is a, a monumental shift in the heavens. And suddenly, humanity has been redeemed. An answer of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ has meant that everyone can have faith in him, can be received as an heir with Christ. But they didn't feel like that. So the Bible says the spirit of the Son comes into our heart and cries out on our behalf, Abba, Father. In other words, the Holy Spirit has been poured out to heal your heart and teach you a new confession. It's time for us, as you allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life and to speak out of your heart, is to change your confession and suddenly you find yourself speaking the words of the Spirit of God. Do you remember the story of Balaam and Balaam's ass? Balaam was a was a was called to curse the children of Israel. He was a he was a type of prophet and he was called to curse the children of Israel. But every time he got up to curse, he couldn't he couldn't curse because the Spirit of God wouldn't let him. He wanted to curse, but he couldn't. You see, human nature curses. I was listening to the radio the other day and they were, they were um, proclaiming about uh, a woman who was known as the mother of modern day witchcraft. And uh, she, she had a home in Brighton and um, they, they've set up a, a museum for people to go and see it. And they had this curator of the museum saying, and this is a live curse. They're talking about this woman who had liberated people and, and liberated their lives. It's meant to be, it's, a, it's given them a whole new perspective. This is, this, apparently this woman had, had done this work as a witch. Right? <laughs> She's trying to get your head around that. All right, so society believes. And there they are as a curator saying, this, in a, this glass vessel, describing it is a live curse. Well, I don't think that's very liberating, is it? <laughs> Would you, what was she doing with a live curse? She's meant to be liberating people. You give them hope and blessing. You don't curse them. <laughs> but see, the nature of humanity is to curse. The nature of the flesh is to tear down. If you're not cursing somebody else, you're definitely cursing yourself. That's the nature of your own confession. What is that? That's an orphan spirit. A son adopted by the kingdom of God speaks a different confession. And here is the amazing thing. We speak about learning a new language, but the language of the spirit has been poured out into our hearts so that we learn by the hearing the echo of his voice rebounding inside of us, Abba, Father. Suddenly I'm saying something I didn't feel like I was going to say. I don't even know why I said it, but I said it. I called him Abba. I called him Father. I realized at that moment there was a transformation and suddenly I shifted away from a spirit of isolation and bondage and fear and I entered into a world of complete adoption and sonship. The extraordinary transformation is this. 
that we go from being adopted, which carries its own sense of sadness, doesn't it? Adoption carries an air of sadness. My brother has adopted two children, and there is a line of sadness adoption, but I've watched as those children have gone from the sadness of the world they came from into the loving embrace of the family they've entered into. And they went from being adopted to now just being sons and daughters. You go from adoption, which carries its own grief, into the full embrace of sonship, which has no record of the past. We speak about being adopted into the kingdom of God, but once you've been grafted into the tree, you're now part of the tree. I've got an apple tree in my orchard that produces two different types of fruit, um, two different types of apple, but it's one tree. It's been grafted in. So one tree, I don't even know which tree was, which part of the tree was the original stock and which was the graft. I can't tell. But what I can see is it was grafted in. And now it's twice the size of all the other trees in the garden. See, Christ grafted you in. And now you're a son. And if a son, then an heir. And if there's an heir, if there's a sonship, then there, there must be an heir. There has to be an heir. To be a son, there has to be an heir. And if there's an heir, then we are now joint heirs. Breaking even the, the principle that was set apart, that the eldest inherits. That was always as it was. Even when the Bible was being written, the eldest always inherited. Never had it been written down. That all inherit. Man and woman. Never had it been said. But here we have written in Scripture that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Suddenly we are not just, we're not just orphans adopted into a loving family to get a better life. We're full sons. Redeemed, saved, set free and healed. And how do we know we're sons? Because the word Abba cries out of our heart. Spirit of God yearns within our heart to say, Abba, Father, Father God, my Father, you're my Father. Next time you feel angry, jealous, offended, bitter, know that that is the old nature of your isolation trying to re-establish itself and separate you from your true identity. But it's very, very difficult to curse when out of your mouth comes Abba Father. Very, very difficult to speak against when your heart cries Abba Father. Know that every time you hear, it's one thing not speaking it, but it's very difficult to not hear the negativity of other people's lives who haven't got that revelation. Know what it is that's driving them. Know what it is that's driving them. It's never truth. It's always rejection. It's always rejection. And so out of your heart, you can cry love and you can speak out an affirmation. We are children 
of God. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.